The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Karen Spriggs. I am a registered nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Brandy Caps, BSN RN, has served as the Duke Pediatric Urotherapy Nurse Clinician for nine years. She graduated from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro in 2000 with a bachelor's degree in nursing. Brandy has worked at Duke for 19 years in both inpatient and outpatient settings. She currently runs all of the urodynamic and biofeedback studies for Duke Pediatric Urology. She has been a PUNS member for nine years and is part of the urodynamic special interest group. She works with the spina bifida patients and families to teach urinary catheterization. She also trains the patients on peristine and cone enema systems for their bowel management program. Brandy also manages or teaches the spina bifida patients after Mitrofenoff and or MACE surgeries on post-operative care and how to catheterize their stomas. Hello, we are here today with Brandy Caps, who is a nurse in the Duke Pediatric Urotherapy Clinic. Today's topic is the quality of life in spina bifida population. The first question for Brandy today is to set the foundation for our discussion today. Please explain the diagnosis of spina bifida. So spina bifida is a birth defect. It's something that occurs when the spine and the spinal cord do not form properly in the wound or mom's tummy. It's a type of neural tube defect, and the neural tube is a structure that develops in the embryo that eventually becomes the baby's brain and spinal cord and the tissues that enclose them. Um, So basically, that does not form properly and therefore uh, warrants uh, surgery within one to two days of life. So walk us through some of the challenges that these patients face in their everyday lives. Sometimes it's just the simple things, walking, talking, a lot of times it's bathing and dressing themselves or just being mobile um, or having accessibility to things. Also, the most common challenges, of course, I work in urology, so I'm just going to the bathroom, whether peeing or pooping, stuff like that. They can't feel the need to go or they tend to go on themselves or they're in diapers or have incontinent supplies or that's when they require catheterization or other things. Fantastic. How does this impact the parent or caregiver or family members? Oh, most definitely it impacts the parents. Um, It puts a strain. I mean, just imagine you have a newborn baby. That alone, you know, you're very nervous, especially if it's your first child, let alone for them to have a chronic medical illness. So it puts a big um, strain on their everyday lives, just going back and forth to medical appointments. They have to see multiple providers and multiple services and PT and OT and things like that, which is physical therapy and occupational therapy. Um, So all the little things like that, um, let alone with just newborn challenges of, okay, they've got to feed, they've got to wake up every hour or two, they're no different than any other newborn. So it just makes it every day uh, even more challenge for them. Brandy, please offer us some medical interventions commonly utilized related to the identified challenges. Example, neurogenic bowel and bladder. Yes. um, So the most common that we do, and and now we do, we actually teach every parent how to catheterize because we have now, um, we are one of, so um, 
I think nine or more centers that are a part of a registry. And we have found that the most common thing families um, have a problem with is catheterization. And it's just wrapping their mind around that. And so we find and feel that teaching them early on, even though they don't go home on that, we do know that at least 70 to 80 percent of children with spina bifida at some point in their life will catheterize. And that is one of the many challenges that we face with parents understanding that and, and, and being able to why do they need to calf now when they didn't as an infant? So I find that it's just more reteaching at that point, and they feel more confident and comfortable. And since we've been doing that, I think parents really um, have have enjoyed us, not really enjoyed, but you know what I mean. Like they really want to embrace it more, I guess is what I should say. Um, another uh, medical intervention, sometimes um, children, we do do studies, and I do studies like this, we have to test their bladder every so often, it's called urodynamics, and that basically looks at um, how their bladder functions and to make sure their bladder is safe for their kidneys. Um, with that, um, a lot of children can't be dry. Um, of course, our number one goal is their kidneys, so that's what we always tell our patients. We don't push surgeries on them um, and not saying that they even need a surgery. But a lot of families and a lot of children want to feel normal. And to feel normal, they do not want to be in a diaper. Um, so there are um, certain surgical procedures based off of their urodynamic study that we can do to kind of help them to achieve that goal in their life. Of course, uh, let alone when we do that, we also are still thinking about long term to make sure the kidney health will be um, also okay. Um, so one of the um, surgical procedures is sometimes you have to do a bladder neck sling um, as well as when you do that they can no longer catheterize per urethra which means per where they pee. Um, so you have to create a stoma called a metrophanol and that stoma is a stoma that you catheterize every three to four hours just as if you would per urethra. Also, when we do that procedure, a lot of patients um, have also issues as far as their bowels. So whether they have tried stool softeners or enema systems or whatever, and they have failed, then sometimes we will also, while we do that procedure, do um, something called a MACE or a Malone Antigrade Colonic Enema. Basically, you just give an enema through a catheter while they're sitting right on the toilet. So those procedures have um, been very very helpful for our patients who are wanting to achieve continence and to achieve that normalcy that they that they would like. Fantastic. Could you elaborate on the other medical services provided to these patients? I know you mentioned them earlier with physical therapy, occupational therapy. Yes. Um, so physical therapy and occupational therapy are, are very vital for them. They, um, they keep them mobile. Um, a lot of kids without physical therapy could not stand on their AFOs or um, you know, they also fit them for their crutches and make sure their wheelchairs are the appropriate size because over time those things can rub and cause wounds, which can in turn cause, you know, a lot of skin issues. Um, also, occupational therapy is very vital. Sometimes kids, their dexterity in their hands, I mean, they won't learn, they can't learn how to catheterize themselves if they can't grip the catheter or other, you know, activities of daily living that they need to do, brush their teeth or anything like that. So those, um, that service is very vital in helping them to become more independent as well. 
Fantastic. And how have you seen these medical services directly impact the patient's quality of life? Give us a case scenario that you've seen in the past. Um, so basically, you know, I, I we look at it as we have a spina bifida clinic, so we have a team approach. And honestly, without all of our team, we could not do it alone. Um, they have to see multiple services. So Basically, um, you know, they have to see orthopedics, and that helps with if they have scoliosis or have um, mobility problems or to keep them more upright. They don't want to be in a wheelchair. Um, You know, with us, we kind of urology, we take care of their bowel and bladder. Um, So, and ultimately their main goal is to preserve their kidney function. Then we have neurosurgery. Those are the um, surgical that they're the first people that they basically see because they're the ones that are closing their myelomeningocele at birth. Um, But they're also monitoring them because they also can get hydrocephalus and have a shunt that goes down into their belly. So um, I just find that our services are more of a team approach. So Um, We also have in our clinic a developmental pediatrician, and she's a great, great resource to help our families get um, the proper local resources, whether with PT or OT or um, just intellectual abilities because of their challenges in school. And so they will um, basically um, do IQ testing and make sure they don't need an IEP for school and all kinds of different things. So, and then, of course, in our clinic, we have the PT and OT and all that aspect. So, I find, you know, with our patients, it's it's real beneficial that we have a team approach. And that's kind of how we look at it. It's like, it's not just one service, it's all of us. And then we meet and we talk about each of our patients, So, which is very, very helpful so that we know, okay, is this patient having surgery? Okay, well, we may can tag along and we can do this part, you know, and, and help out and know what's going on in, in their in their lives and what's going to happen to each patient. All right. In closing, then, how do you see the quality of life for these spina bifida patients improving in the future? So I, I feel that it's come a long, long way. More and more research is out there and more and more um, people are trying to get together, all of us in all different centers across the U.S. and across, you know, internationally are trying to really figure out what is best for this population. They are aging. They are um, living longer. So we're having to kind of expand, you know, what happens past when they get into adulthood Um, because of that, you know, how, what do we need to do with these patients? So I think as far as um, their quality of life and their independence is going to come a long way, and it it has, and, and, and all over the, in many years, it has come a long way. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us professional.